Hey, everybody. Welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Today we have Michael Cohen with us back in the back room. We're going to get to Michael in a second. But first, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media. And perhaps we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. Michael Cohen. He's the former personal attorney for Donald Trump and served four years as an executive in the Trump Organization. He is host of the Mea Culpa with Michael Cohen podcast and is a two-time New York Times bestselling author. His latest book is Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics. He is also principal of crisis management firm Crisis X. Michael, welcome back into the back room. Uh, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me back. First thing I want to start off with is uh, you had a settlement last week. You had filed suit against your former boss and uh, still sociopath in chief, Donald Trump, reportedly <laughs> for around $1.9 million that he owed you. Was that yeah, an accurate actually, the terms that Yeah, so the terms I cannot discuss uh, at all, It's um, there's a confidentiality right. agreement uh, around this settlement. So... Uh, I can't confirm or deny any amount of money in other than of, to say that both sides are satisfied with the result. Right. So when we read in the press that he had owed you like 1.9 million, not what was settled, but what he had owed you. Again, what's uh, Andy, what's in the, what's in the, yeah, what's in right. the press uh, that's in the press that's already out there and the listeners, you know, can accept it any way that they want. All I will say is I'm satisfied uh, with the end result. I will tell you, part and parcel for the course, you know, when it comes to dealing with Donald Trump in litigation, just understand, and this is something we see every single day, we're seeing it with January 6th, we're going to see it with Georgia, we certainly are seeing it with um, the Manhattan District Attorney, the New York Attorney General, we're seeing it all across the board, the Mar-a-Lago document case. The one thing that Donald is incredibly incredibly skilled at is the art of delay. Now, I want to be very clear that this case that just resolved was started in 2019, four years, multiple motions. There was a loss. We had to appeal it. The appeal was overturned by the, uh, by the First Circuit, uh, five to nothing. I mean, the judge really got that one wrong. Um, you know, five to nothing. We then had to go back and then they filed literally the day before pre-trial con for the pre-trial conference. The day before they filed a seven seven motions in limine, right? So you could imagine how much work mm. went into this thing uh, in order just to get this. But that point that I'm making is, if the goal is to win, to beat Donald Trump, you have to have perseverance. You have to have the ability within which to stay in the fight. If you do not, then don't start. And that was something I used to say to people all the time when I worked for him. That if you don't have the fortitude to stay in the fight long-term, you may as well bail out now and save yourself a shit ton of money. And the financial resources as well. It's more than just financial. It's really, you know, it's really uh, uh, your your gumption right it's it's your fortitude because it is exhausting mm -hmm. one second you're like oh great i got this thing right i should be getting back 
X amount of dollars for this, for that. This one should get paid. This one shouldn't get paid, whatever. And next thing you know, you're getting a motion to dismiss. And it's like, oh, my God, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Three motions to dismiss. Isn't that, in a way, an indictment of the judicial system overall, where the wealthy, the powerful have that fortitude and those resources to, in a sense, bully those who have less and therefore oh. either end up settling for nothing in some cases or just winning because the other side has to capitulate. They can't stay in the game, as you say. Listen, I hate to say it, but um, the answer to that is yes. And it's an unfair system. It's unfair. It's unfair all across the board. Of course, the guy who has, think about it this way too. If hypothetically a mega billionaire decides to open up a restaurant across the street, you could be a three-star Michelin restaurant as long as they're going to give the food away for nothing. No one's coming to your restaurant. They're going to the inferior one. Hmm. Could you imagine this? Or, you know, because it doesn't matter to them. You know, when you have a billion dollars um, of available cash to you. And now today with mortgage rates as high as they are and bonds at five and a half percent. Think about how much money you earn without doing anything. There's no amount of money that you can't spend to put the next person out of business. It is a real problem. Now, look, I'm a firm believer in capitalism. I truly am. However, there comes a point in time when capitalism impedes upon individuals, right? And empathy and uh, and right, you know, the, the use of the money for right and not for wrong. And look, we're seeing in politics today, these mega billionaires that all supported Trump. Thank God many of them have walked away. But when you have that kind of access to capital, think about what ends up happening. Somebody like Donald Trump ends up becoming the 45th president of the United States of America, mm -hmm. someone who's morally bankrupt and somebody who unfortunately, um, entered politics, not to do good for the country, but to do better for himself. Do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh, it's, a, it's a favorite of mine. Larry's the best. We recently had Mocha Joe in here, in the studio, Severio Guerra. But you're, well, what's your, how did you do that? I can't, I can't get Mocha <laughs> Joe on the program. Well, I, I, I I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. We'll talk. Yeah, would you speak to him? I'm we'll, a big fan. We'll hook it up. We'll make that happen. But, you know, what you're talking about literally is Larry David being pissed off that he didn't get the hot coffee and the scone that he wanted. So he opens up Latte Larry's and then decides to just <laughs> give the coffee away. Right. That's literally what you're talking yeah. about, because he has more resources. Mocha Joe can't afford to do that. Larry can't. That's our criminal justice system. Now, in retribution, Trump filed a suit against you, a big five hundred million dollar suit. Where is that right now? Well, I'm, go I'm going to friends and people whose podcasts I come on, like yours, Andy. Uh, can I borrow a couple million bucks from you, too? You know, I gotta. I figure if I go to 25, you know, really wealthy friends, you know, and I take 20 million from each of them, you know, I can pay them, mm -hmm. right? Where is it? Uh, you know, we had a hearing uh, over um, last Thursday, exactly one week ago, and the judge made a determination that, um, yeah, He's going to look into Trump doesn't want the deposition that he's required to sit for mm -hmm. uh, to be released. And for obvious reasons, I mean, he's an idiot. And if you watch or you listen to any of his depositions, 
Um, like, for example, the one with E. Jean Carroll. I mean, right. you could understand why he would not want them released. However, he's the plaintiff in this matter. His, his responsibility is to push the case forward. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what his lawyer wanted. He wanted depositions to be conducted 90 days after, get a look, after the, the election. So you're talking like 16 months. So the answer to that is no. No, and you're, and you're referring to the discovery and, process, which normally begins right away and of which depositions well, are a part of. Of course. And the last thing is that a plaintiff who brings the case should be expected to have to sit for depositions right. and to provide discovery information. He wants all the discovery to be, you know, um, kept in the strictest of confidence. Um, you know, I don't care. I, I, screw it. You know, let let everybody. I truly believe in transparency. I believe that that's one thing that we are lacking right now in this country is transparency, whether it's your UFOs, right, all the way to uh, what goes on at DOJ, to my continued fight with FOIA, with the government. Mm -hmm. You remember, you may have seen that in my book, Revenge, I write, um, uh, I write a, um, a lot about it, where we put in a request for all of the documents surrounding this unconstitutional remand of me back to Otisville because I wouldn't waive my First Amendment constitutional right, thanks to Trump and Bill Barr making me the first political prisoner held by my own country because I wouldn't waive my First Amendment constitutional rights. So they go ahead and they, you know, they say, oh, well, there's no documents that are responsive to your FOIA. Well, I know that's bullshit because I have a whole slew of documents, three, four, five documents in my possession that somehow I managed to get a hold of um, and I give them to Mark Zaid, who's a well-known attorney that deals with FOIA. Um, next thing, he sends a letter in with these as attachments. Oh, oh, we're sorry. You're right. Um, there are documents that are responsive to your FOIA request. 480,000 documents. Mm -hmm. And now they're panicking because, well, we can't process 480,000. And we're like, well... You know, what do you want us to do? Oh, well, can you limit now your request? Like, get rid of the 302s, which are grand jury docs, which you're going to have a hard time getting anyway. So we just spent one year since the judge ruled that they have to, they have to process 500 documents a month minimum. Well, every single month we get the same letter from DOJ we process 507 documents, but we're turning over zero. One year, I have not received a single document, not one, which goes to the whole point of transparency. Well, what the hell do you think that they're hiding? Mm -hmm. I know what they're hiding. Trump, Bill Barr's weaponization of the Justice Department to go against Trump's critics, plain and simple. And there's so many people that are involved with this bullshit, with the you know unconstitutional remand of a U.S. citizen that... They clearly don't want, including the initial action that was brought against me. Tax evasion? It's no tax evasion. There was no misrepresentation to a bank. No See, bank ever lost any money with me. So, so you're, you're saying that even though you're saying that even though there's a new administration, a Democratic administration, there might be career employees who are holdovers from the bar term that are, for the reasons you stated trying to stonewall and not give you these documents. Well, I think the system, in all fairness, Andy, I think that the system tries to protect itself mm -hmm. because long after I'm gone, 
The system is still going to be there. But speak to anybody, speak to journalists, speak to authors, speak to anybody who's been involved in the criminal justice system when it comes to getting FOIA documents. Good luck. Yeah, you no, know, I'm, they'll say, oh, well, so we, don't have, yeah, we don't have enough people working with, you know, we don't have enough people to process. Ask me if I give a shit, right? <laughs> Use my tax dollars for the sole purpose, right? Use my tax dollars in order to hire proper people. Or how about use some artificial intelligence to go through it? Now, they, what they do is they just send the same stupid piece of paper that denies you the transparency that you seek under FOIA. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware of many cases over the years of people who cannot get the documents that they've requested. It's all about transparency, yeah. right? You, back to your suit, you mentioned the deposition issue. Do you think that's part of Trump's strategy? Like, does he think when he just throws out these frivolous lawsuits that it'll never just get that deep into discovery where he actually has to sit down? Or, and you know his psyche probably better than anyone on this planet, save for Melania, uh, or, or maybe not, um, is, is, yeah. does he think, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to ace this fucker? Like, is he that delusional? No. So he, it's just yeah. part of his strategy to bully. It's a, it's a bullying strategy. Um, he knows that it's a frivolous lawsuit. What he was looking to do was to change the conversation that was taking place in the media Interesting. and give himself, in his own mind, a win, a big pat on the old back, right, and say, all right, you see, I'm not going to allow you know Michael Cohen uh, the opportunity within which to get the better of me not only did he file this lawsuit and make a big deal about it, but he fundraised off of it as well. So he makes money off of stuff like this. This is all part of a massive pattern. It's just a, it's a pattern of bullying. It's a pattern of using the criminal justice system, using the court system for his own advantage. By the way, is it any different than, I mean, seriously, is it any different than what he did with the weaponization of the Justice Department under Bill Barr? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Right. It's what we were talking about before. It's the wealthy and the powerful get to use and abuse the system in the way the average person doesn't. And quite often, that's why they do it. That's but, why they follow the frivolous But Andy, Andy, let me jump in and say one additional thing here. Yes, that works with the rich and the powerful. They always will have an advantage because they have the access to capital. They could hire the five top law firms in Manhattan with a thousand lawyers each to go after you if that's what they want. But you don't tend to see that happening with the same frequency that you see it happening with Donald Trump. Right. And there's a reason why. He is morally bankrupt. So what happens when you have somebody with capital who has that mindset? That's the real danger. It's like that movie, the one with Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore and so on. Do you remember that um, Indecent Proposal or something right. like that? Um, it's the same thing. You know, how far will the rich, and when I mean the rich, I'm talking about the uber rich, how far will they go in order to get what it is that they want? Well, you know, they, how do you stop them? You're talking about being rational and logical. You're also talking about having great legal counsel. I was in business for 35 years, and at some point your lawyer sits you down and preaches the gospel to you and tells you, move forward, don't move forward, here's the pros and the cons, this is what you're going to pay me, this is what you're going to pay. With Donald Trump, I would imagine that those conversations never, it, it, he leads by id, right? So it's his ego, his narcissism, his delusion, mm -hmm. his sociopathy, 
that's what's driving. That's why he can't get lawyers most of the time because he's the worst fucking client on the planet. But when you're dealing with a guy like that, he acts and then thinks second, if, if he thinks at all. And it's all about the bullying. And, you know, with a lot of bullies like that, it all depends on who you're bullying. Yeah. Like I would imagine, you know, him trying to, him well, trying to some... bully you is probably not, the, not a smart choice in my estimation. No, because because I'm not the I'm not the kind of guy. It's one of the reasons why he was so um, attracted to me to come work for him going back to 2006, 2007, uh, because I, I don't stop and I won't stop. And um, I don't know, maybe I'm missing uh, some sort of a, a gene that makes me want to stop. But I but I won't. And I'll just keep going until the very end. But Donald's real problem when it comes to dealing with lawyers and why he cannot get competent counsel is because he doesn't pay. So not right. only does he, as you stated, work off of id, doesn't think about the future, the repercussions. It's all about right now, today, the moment. He also wants to guide his lawyers on what needs to be done mm -hmm. in order to win the case. And it may not have any logical basis or foundation in law within which to predicate it on very much like this $500 million lawsuit. It is, it's a frivolous action, one in which you may remember only about six weeks earlier, he and Alina Ahaba got whacked, I think, for a million dollars for filing a frivolous action in that Southern District of Palm Beach. He got hit with a, uh, with a fine. I mean, this is, this is Donald Trump's this is all about the ego. Mm -hmm. He not only wants to tell the lawyers how to handle the case, but he doesn't want to pay them either yeah. because it's such an honor to represent him. Well, you know, as I was saying before with being rational and logical, one would think that if you know, and even if you don't know, your lawyers are telling you. So eventually you know that you've got Georgia coming after you. You've got New York coming after you. You've got the Department of Justice coming after you. Like a normal person not only would be like panicked and trying to strategize, but the last thing they'd ever do is just get engaged in yet another legal situation, especially one that's frivolous. Why spend the time, the money, the energy on the suit that he filed against you, which everyone has agreed is absolutely nonsensical, when you have so much other... I mean, what is the strategy there? Is he just fucking clueless? As to what's going on in his life, because he's no. never had to be held accountable for anything? Well, that's true. He's never been held accountable for anything in his life, but now he's being held accountable for everything. But does he at get this that? late stage does of he his get life. That? Yeah, he, he gets it, uh, but you know, try to teach an old dog new tricks. The purpose of filing this action against me is to intimidate me and to harass me as a person who is expected to be the key witness in the New York district attorney, the criminal case that's uh, going to take place March of 2024. Mm -hmm. Now I've said this before, and it sort of angers me a little bit um, when I listen to pundits on television or podcasts or radio shows. And one of the things that they try to say is, yeah, that's a bullshit case. It's ticky tack. It doesn't really mean anything. Uh, and so on. Well, I totally disagree with you. Yes, what I do acknowledge is compared to seditious conspiracy, campaign finance violation and business records, 
is nonsensical, mm -hmm. right? The same thing with trying to overturn a free and fair election. Mm -hmm. That would be the Georgia case, the Fannie Willis case, or the other Jack Smith case, which is, you know, the failure to return um, top secret documents after you're, you know, after you're being requested uh, and so on, you know, um, improper possession of top secret documents. Yes, I acknowledge campaign finance violation and business records is silly compared to those. But I want people to remember, and I call it the Al Capone theory. They didn't get Al Capone on murder, extortion, racketeering, bootlegging, prostitution, or any of the other stuff, any of those other bigger crimes. They got him on tax evasion. Right. And when it comes to campaign finance violation, and I want to be real crystal freaking clear on this one, if it was enough for me to go to prison, which I did at the direction of, for the benefit of, and in concert with Donald J. Trump, well, you know, it should fit for his shoe too. I mean, this is absolutely absurd that I should be the guy who goes to prison because this ass gets, you know, has an affair with a porn star. Well, it, it's what you're speaking to is what the Trump camp projects out into the world of, you know, with the Bidens. There's two sets of laws in this country, whatever. But it, look, like if I go into a Verizon store and steal a cell phone and then walk across the street and shoot someone. I am expecting to be held accountable for both of those things. No one's going to make the argument like, let him go on the theft thing because murder is worse. But with Trump, that's been a nonsensical argument. Like, this should never have been filed. It's frivolous. It's political. Why not hold him accountable for everything he's done? And that's his strategy, I think. He throws so much shit up against the wall and thinks because I'm uh, demonstrating criminal behavior in multiple places— because I do it out in the open, somehow that makes it less severe, less worthy of him being held accountable. No, the more crime you commit, whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony, the more you should be held accountable. But that yeah. seems, doesn't seem to apply Don't, with him and his and his, no, his supporters. Yeah, it doesn't. But Andy, let me just sort of pull you back a tiny bit there. He knows what he's doing. He knows that it's a crime. He does. He doesn't care hmm. because in his mind. He wants to turn our democracy into an autocracy. You think that they're ever going to arrest and charge Vladimir Putin for any of the crimes that he's committed against Russia? The answer is no. Do you think that they'll ever do the same against Mohammed bin Salman when he went ahead and he jailed his relatives by putting them in the ballroom of the St. Regis and, you know, and forcing them to sign over their wealth? The answer is no. Or the same thing with Kim Jong-un or any of the other autocrats that we see day in and day out? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. So Donald Trump wants to be that autocrat. He believes himself to be the autocrat. You can't indict me. You can't charge me. If you do, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a civil war. Right. He goes, there's going to be so much violence. Well, that's in what Peter street. Navarro said the other day. I'm sure you saw that, that he, he's warning. I the did. Civil war. You know. And yeah. I'm sure to your point, Trump looks at what's going on in Israel with Netanyahu stripping the ultimate powers of the Supreme Court for the very reasons that you're talking about, which is Netanyahu knows he's not going to face the music because of what he just did. And that's Correct. shocking and because, and I say this as a Jew, it's shocking because Israel I always looked at as one of the greatest, if not the greatest democracy, true democracies in the world. And it's moved so far from that. And Trump, to your point about other dictators, although Milosevic did face the musical but he's 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 looking at that and 
but this is the sociopathy of Trump. By the he, way, so did Saddam Hussein. <laughs> yeah, just in a different way. Yeah. But he doesn't understand where he lives. You know, our system no, has, has held no, up. And, and Andy, I got to stop you. He knows exactly where he lives. What he's trying to say is, Andy, you don't know where you live. Mm. Yeah, okay. the America that you think you, you know, you don't. We are a two-tier system of justice, all right? And his goal is to turn our democracy into an autocracy for himself, right? for himself and his family. Well, that, he's That's what he right. did. He's tried that. That's and, what but, he's But intending. the system has not allowed that, whether it's the electorate, well, the, the courts. He's lost every single court fight, every single one. So the system does work, which is why I sort of believe partly that does he really understand the system? Because it's not working to his advantage. It is on some level well, with, with a MAGA crazy base. But the he's raised over what? He's raised over $300 million. He'll tell you it's been pretty successful so far. In fact, he's figured out sure. that, grifting, that grifting off of these MAGA morons all right, is a better business than the Trump organization. Absolutely. All right, if you think about it. So you know, in his mind, has he been held accountable? for That big shit. He's been indicted. So what? He's got fingerprinted. So what? You know, um, now it does bother him. Don't get me wrong. All of this. And when he's alone in his in his little room at Mar-a-Lago. And, you know, it's, it's funny. It's another thing that really pisses me off when they're like, you know, Donald Trump is right now, you know, spending time at his Mar-a-Lago resort, you know, at his Mar-a-Lago mansion, blah, blah. It is not it is not a home. It was once a home right to Marjorie Merriweather Post. Yeah, that's impressive when it was one person's home. This is a club with hundreds of members that pay like $300,000 a year. They're coming, they're going, they're coming, they're going. You know, he's got, you know, they have um, weddings and, you know, all sorts of functions at the place. It's not his home. His his bedroom there is what, 1,000 square feet, 1,500 square feet? You're not talking about the way a billionaire should be living. Yeah, when you drive through, it's a magnificent estate, but it's not, it's not his home. It is a resort, and they need to stop calling it that. In fact, the nice thing will be when he is ultimately held accountable that he will not be permitted to stay there because, look, and I say this, and a lot of people get angry at me, I do not want to see Donald Trump behind bars. I really don't. As much as I dislike him, um, as much as I despise what he has become, I'm more concerned about America and national security than I am about, you know, um, feeling some way about Donald Trump in a dirty, disgusting cell like where they put me. Now, I'm more concerned about our national security. And rest assured, despite being an idiot, which he is, despite being this idiot, he is still briefed for four years on national security information. And he... He will run loose with the lips. I promise you that for a bag of tuna or for a, a book of stamps, he will give away national security secrets that could endanger the lives of, you know, of Americans. And I'm not OK with that. But would, would, well, you're raising an interesting point. I mean, as Michael Cohen, you could say, I would like to see this happen to Trump because I'm pissed off about what happened to me and he deserves. And then you can also say what you're saying, which is. Putting aside my own situation, I think for the country, this should happen. 
But with Donald Trump, he's going to say whatever he says or does whatever he does. It does. It never matters. Like when they talk about the base. Oh, if we indict, if we put Trump in prison, there's going to be hell to pay. Civil war. What if we what if we just make him leave the race? They cut a deal with him and then he has to admit guilt and, and, and withdraw from the race. The MAGA base is not going to yeah, be pissed that off at work. that. Nothing works with Trump. There's no logic no. to anything he does because it's all id. And anything you do to hurt him, I suspect, you know him better than me, but anything you do to piss him off, anything you do to undermine him or show disloyalty, whatever that is on any level, you become his number one, two, three, four, five enemy. I mean, isn't there some truth to that? Yeah, well, number one, number one million and one, one million and two, one million and three. He's got an enemies list longer than, you know. Right. So is there ever a moment where he's going to be content? Egyptian scroll. Is there ever a moment where Donald Trump is going to be content with anything where he goes, okay, I agree to that. I'm fine. Like, is, is that even no. those words in his vocabulary? You're either no, with him or you're not, not, right? Especially not if he's conceding uh, to responsibility or accountability. So if no you're either chance. if you're either with him or you're not, in his mind, isn't it true that being with him means you do everything he wants all the time? Otherwise, do, you're not. Do you know any other? Right. Do, do you know any other way? It's why you're seeing how many of us lawyers have. You know, ended up getting thrown under the bus for John Eastman, mm -hmm. Jeffrey Clark, Michael Cohen, Rudy Kaludi, Giuliani. You know, I mean, you start seeing each and every one of them. In fact, I do believe that one of the things you're going to see very soon, and Rudy better wake the you know wake the hell up because Donald is going to turn. I I did that at advice of counsel, and he's going to start using that as the blame for. The phone call with Brad Raffensperger with the entire Georgia case. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm not, he'll go, I'm not a lawyer. That's why I hire lawyers. And I hired Rudy. And Rudy told me that it was okay. And Rudy went out with Sidney the Kraken Powell. And they went and they did this. And then they did that. And they did this. And they told me what to do. I said, hey, it's advice of counsel. Now, all of a sudden, what's he really doing? He's throwing Kaludi right under the bus. Right with the crack in his where he throws everybody. Of course, he doesn't care about anyone or anything other than himself. His own kids will go under the bus so before on, him. On that note, I want to ask you, Giuliani, Mark Meadows, Walt Nauta, do you think these people are all eventually going to flip? Because they know at the end of the day, that man has zero loyalty to them. And they're not going to flip. Andy, I think... Yeah, I think you're presuming that they haven't already. I don't believe Walt Nada has as of yet. Uh, Giuliani, rest assured, Rudy's not going to spend the rest of... First of all, he's in shit health. I mean, I see him, you know, walking down the street. Sometimes I see him in restaurants spilling food all over himself. He's schlepping his back leg, you know, like the penguin in Batman. Rudy's does he not, still have does he still have the uh, the hair dye drip the hair dye dripping down his head nah and not when I saw him last but you know, Rudy has no interest in spending the rest of his life um, you know behind bars for Donald Trump that I can assure you Mark Meadows Mark Meadows is a typical governmento he's a guy who you know only cares about himself too he's got the same sort of though on a smaller scale the same id that Donald has. You know, he's a survivor and he'll do whatever it takes in order to ensure that he has some sort of a future. Walt Nada, unfortunately, is stupid. You know, he he thinks that 
I'm the different one. I'm the one that Donald is going to protect. I'm the, I see how Donald, you know, when I'm with him at Mar-a-Lardo and he's feeding me and he has them bring me over a burger and a Coke, you know, Donald cares about me. No, no, right? He's just, he's just stuffing you for the kill. I mean, that's all that it is. And until Walt Nada wakes up and understands that he too is going to get his ass run over by the Donald bus, right? The old MAGA bus, make attorneys get attorneys, um, even though Walt's not an attorney. Rest assured, I promise you, Walt will come around sooner or later. He's paying for it. just may be too late. He's paying for Nada's attorney stills, right? Only because Nada is staying on message. Mm -hmm. The second that you step off message, hence the case, right, that we started this conversation with, the second you step off his message or the MAGA message, that's when they cut off the legal, despite the fact whether they owe it or not. So getting back to what we were just saying about Trump being held accountable, what should happen to him? What is the most logical right thing for this country? Well, look, like I said, right now there are two, soon to be three indictments. You have New York district attorney, that's state, uh, and then you have two federal criminal indictments already. Um, I'm sorry, and the, and the federal criminal indictment, that's the Mar-a-Lardo documents case. Soon there's going to be the um, uh, another federal indictment and there'll be another state indictment. The importance of the state indictments is that even if hypothetically Donald should win, and this creates a whole nother question that right. we could spend hours discussing. Mm -hmm. If hypothetically Donald wins, um, he's not, you cannot pardon yourself from the state crime. Federal crime, un constitutionally, it's never been challenged before, but rest assured, that's what he would do. He would pardon himself for the federal crimes. Again, that has no effect or bearing on the state crimes. But here's the interesting question that I was thinking about, you know, about two days ago when we were, I was discussing this on another show. Assuming he gets held accountable and he's convicted of the state crimes, how do you actually arrest him? Secret Service will fight you tooth and nail to protect their, you know, to protect their uh, their man, right? They will never allow him to be taken. So now you're going to have a fight between Secret Service and the marshals or, you know, New York police or whomever it might be. You know, he'll also, as president, he has access to the National Guard, to the military. He'll put 20,000 troops around the White House. Come, come get me. And then he'll give the order. Anybody comes to take me, shoot him on sight. You know, he's creating a conflict that even our founding fathers never contemplated were possible. I mean, they always contemplated that there would be someone who wanted to be greater than a president, who wanted to be a king, even after, of course, we just had the war to extricate ourselves from, you know, from um, England. They were always afraid that there would be someone, but no one as devious and as constitutionally bankrupt as Donald is. N none of this has ever been contemplated before. And then with this wackadoodle Supreme Court that we have, who the heck knows where their decision will end up lying? You're, it's dangerous you're, um, stuff. The scenario you're describing would make for a hell of a Jerry Bruckheimer film. 
because that's what it, it sure sounds would. like. Jerry, Jerry, call me. <laughs> so the expression, he who laughs last, laughs best, you know what I'm going to ask you, right? No, I don't. Are you laughing? No. Will you be laughing? No. 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 You know, I don't want to see Donald incarcerated because I fundamentally disagree with just about every position that he has, mm -hmm. that I have issues with the way he allowed and he um, had his administration weaponize the Department of Justice to go against me. Uh, I want to see him held accountable for the crimes, indicted, mm -hmm. right, prosecuted, convicted for what he did. Because if our country is to survive, and remember, people have to understand that democracy is really an experiment. It is not a constitutional right. Democracy is an experiment. And it's and an important one that we want to spread around the world, not autocracy, but democracy. And I do want to see Donald Trump held accountable because there's supposed to be only one set of laws for all of us. And I'm mm -hmm. telling you that there's not. And this entire journey that I'm on, you know, I, I come on shows like this. I was on MSNBC and CNN and all of, you know, the television shows and journalists are calling every single day. Hey, the same type of question. You happy now? You happy now? The answer is no. You know, this journey, do you know what 51 days of solitary confinement does to you? You know what a 36-month sentence, even though I only spent 13 months there at Otisville, do you know what that does to you and your family when they take away your law license, your ability to make money, your business? They take away your family's mm -hmm. happiness, your happiness. Well, I think that's why finances. people ask you what they ask you because of that. You know, you know, this is this isn't one where it's like now I'm, you know, I'm shouting and, you know, popping champagne mm -hmm. from the rooftop, mm -hmm. you know, because it's another indictment for Trump. We look so stupid, so stupid as a country mm -hmm. to foreigners. You know, half my family lives in Toronto. Um, I speak to my cousins all the time and they say that I can't believe that this is America. I have friends mm -hmm. who live in Jordan, in Saudi. I have friends who live. You know, um, I mean, literally all over Italy, France, England, and they all say the same thing to me. Man, what the hell is going on in your country? I thought that we were screwed up. No, we are. And we are becoming, thanks to Donald, we are becoming the laughing stock of the world. And, you know, I'll just conclude by saying there's a there's a saying that I heard a long time ago. And it's so apropos. If you have a strong America, you have a strong world. If you have a weak America, you have a weak world. Well, now you see all the bullshit that's going on around the world. You know why? Because America looks weak. Right. We look weak to the rest of the world. So you have the Putins invading Ukraine. You have what's nonsense going on with Netanyahu. You have, you know, the crap going on in England and France and everywhere else. It's, again... Need a strong America to have a strong world. Well, to your point about our democracy being an experiment, you're 100% right. And as you and I both know, that throughout history, some of the greatest democracies didn't last very long. And, and right. you can look at Israel right now, and, and one can question what is eventually going to happen to that democracy. Michael, thank you so much for coming back in. This is a fascinating conversation. Love your insights, and hope you'll come back again at some point sooner than later. Uh, you know I will, Andy. Th right. Thank you. Take care. I'll see you soon, pal. All righty. Bye. Thank you for listening. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy, and it was co-produced and co-edited by Maddie Rosenberg. 
and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. We'd appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review, and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards. Have a great week.